it's conveying this really important truth, and that is, the work of the day is sufficient, but it is not finished. Hello, and welcome to the Arts of Language podcast with Andrew Pudua, founder of the Institute for Excellence in Writing, or as many like to say, IEW. My name is Julie Walker, and I'm honored to serve Andrew and IEW as the Chief Marketing Officer. As we take a break from recording, we have chosen to replace several of our greatest hits for you to enjoy. We hope that you are able to gain insight for your educational journey. So, Andrew, have you seen any good movies lately? No, I haven't. <laughs> Is that true? It's true. <laughs> I've only seen bad movies. So a few weeks ago, could have been a few months ago, when we were talking, you had said, we should do a podcast on movies. So today is that day. Is that day. Well, at least we could recommend a few good movies yeah. since there don't seem to be many in theaters hmm. these days. Have you seen any good movies? Well, probably one that has risen to the top of my list in the top five that I that's come out recently is The Greatest Showman. I loved that movie. I loved the story. I loved the the nod to the history of P.T. Barnum. Mm-hmm. You know, not all of it was exactly true. No, about 98% of it was not true. No, I know. But I'm also a huge, huge Jackman fan. Oh, yeah. So if he's singing and dancing, I'm watching it. <laughs> I see. Well, I will confess that I have enjoyed watching the knockoffs <laughs> from the song okay. more than I enjoyed the movie mm-hmm. itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's the thing. Movies get into the culture of people and yeah. songs become earworms and and then people get creative and make variations and play with stuff. So, so parodies on The Greatest Showman music. What, well, the best amazing? one, the best one I've seen is "I Am Mom." Okay, and it's just this group of moms who do this music video, and of course they're changing the words right from "This uh, is me," this to, yeah, "This mm-hmm. is me" to "I Am Mom," but it is uh, it's hilarious and it's a tearjerker. Oh. Uh, I watched it and I kind of I was at a conference and they showed it during a break in mm-hmm. between, and I I started crying because I was thinking of my daughters who have children that look a little bit like those lives. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was a good one. Yep, busy time. Okay, so no movies that you've seen in the last couple of years. What about you talked about the Charles Dickens movie. You liked that one. Yes, The Man Who Invented Christmas. Mm-hmm. I, I At first I didn't know what that movie was, mm-hmm. and I thought, well, that sounds a little arrogant. The Man Who Invented Christmas? Uh, who, who would – you know, didn't like God invent Christmas? Exactly, right. <laughs> but it's it actually is after a book by the same title. And the book and the movie are entirely different. Mm-hmm. The book is actually a history. And, and I was so inspired by the movie, I went and listened to the book. But the book is much more a, a, a historical, biographical type of book about Charles Dickens. And I learned so much from it. But the movie is about Dickens trying to write a Christmas carol. And he's got this this uh, argument going on hmm. with his characters, mm-hmm. and the characters kind of 
have a life of their own and he can't make them do what he wants them to do to get this book written. He's on this very tight timeline because Christmas is coming and he's leveraged his, his himself into if he doesn't get this book out and it's a success, he's on the financial straits. So – Like Bob Cratchit. Yeah, the way the movie, yeah, he'd end up like Bob Crash. The way the movie is done, though, is the characters actually come into the movie. Mm. Only he can see them and talk to them. And of course, the the greatest of them all is Scrooge himself, played by none other than probably close to 90 year old Christopher Plummer. Oh, my goodness. And one of his best roles ever. I think mm. he just wow. is so saying perfect a lot. in that. Yes, yes. <laughs> He's one of those actors, I guess, that just. Like fine wine gets better with age, but <laughs> yeah. and so it was just it was just a charming, imaginative uh, film that brought you kind of into Dickens as, as a human rather than this aloof writer who churned out all these great novels mm-hmm. over a hundred years ago, which uh, are hard to read mm-hmm. for most of us. <laughs> into um, you know what his life might have actually been like to some degree, and and his uh, battle to get past the writer problem that all writers seem to have. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That was a good one. Yes. The Man Who Invented Christmas. Highly recommended. Good. Good. Did I mention anything else I ever saw? <laughs> I mean, I, if I look at the real memorable movies, I suppose I'd go all the way back to Inception. Okay. Did you see Inception? I did see Inception. I, I liked it because this idea of a dream within a dream mm-hmm. within a dream – Within a dream, it's a very imaginative idea that time slows Mm -hmm. and you hook yourself up to this box where you can share dreams with other people. My son did some research on lucid dreaming, which is the idea where you can actually kind of train yourself to be consciously controlling yourself while you're dreaming. And there's books on this subject and he did a bunch of research and – uh, there's supposedly techniques you can use to help yourself with this idea. But uh, he said that movie was based on oh. this idea of lucid dreaming mm-hmm. where you can control things mm-hmm. inside the dream. I thought just the layering was very interesting. And then I made this comparison one day. So I'm teaching the high school essay intensive. And the SAT essay is a task where the students have to analyze someone else's writing. Okay. Right? So they don't – no longer does the SAT want the student to give an opinion about something. They want a student to analyze how someone else expresses an opinion. Okay. And it's usually a short, you know, 700, 800-word article. They say it well-written, possibly abridged. And so the students are supposed to figure out, okay, how does that author – make his case is it per, how how is he persuasive what stylistic elements or logical elements or persuasive elements does he use mm-hmm. and so i thought okay so i'm teaching a class about how to write an essay about how to write how someone writes an essay. Wow, yes. Now, if I could write an essay about how I teach the class (laughs) to people on how to write an essay about how someone writes an essay, this would be like the inception thing, you know? With three different levels. The dream within the dream within the dream. And I thought, well, that 
that fits. You know, the whole SAT thing is just like a bad dream for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, I've seen you teach this, and I like how you take what to us is common structural models, stylistic techniques, and apply to looking at looking for those in other people's writing. So that's a clever exercise that kids do well in if they have certainly more familiarity with IEW. But still, it's possible to learn pretty quickly from your essay. Yeah, I think we we give kids the tools. Mm-hmm. They If they learn stylistic techniques mm-hmm. and practice them for a little bit, they can recognize them. Exactly, exactly. If we help them on including examples and evidence – in their writing, then they recognize that Mm -hmm. when they see it. You know, a lot of people read very passively. Mm. They just watch the words go by and you say, well, what did it say? I don't know. (laughs) You know, that's kind of happens to us too. I mean, haven't you had that experience? Sure. You read something and you go off the page and you think, what did I just read? (laughs) Well, and those would not be the books that movies are made from, are they? Probably not, although uh, they're have been some pretty bad movies made <laughs> from decently good books. Yes. But I did do uh, this, uh, though you've reminded me of the talk I did one time. I actually did it a few times mm-hmm. called Pedagogy Lessons from Cinema. Right. Yes. Right. So I looked at different like kind of teacher hero movies or movies mm. that taught something about teaching. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that talk, and of course, we can't record it and sell it because we'd have to go get, you know, copyrights, Permission, permissions, yeah. and all that. <laughs> but uh, it's very enjoyable, and so there are some kind of classic teacher movies like right. Goodbye, Mr. Chips, okay, the Browning version, which I didn't know about till another teacher told me, mm. and uh, watched that one. That's that's about a teacher failure mm. and the lesson of how to not be. Uh, bad teacher. (laughs) And then, of course, uh, one of the ones I think is most powerful isn't really about a teacher, but more a mentor. And that would be Finding Forrester. Yes. Do you remember that that one? Yes. So Sean Connery Mm -hmm. plays this elderly Mm Hemingway-esque alcoholic hiding in his apartment in the city Spying um, on the neighborhood. Spying on the neighborhood. He he wrote one book, the greatest American novel, and it's never been out of print. <laughs> and he's lived off the royalties, but he's this reclusive mm-hmm. curmudgeon mm-hmm. He winds up meeting this uh, African-American high school student. On a dare. Uh, I think some kids dared him to go up. Oh, is that how, mm-hmm. it, how they met? So anyway, he meets him and they end up developing this relationship and the the old author wants to teach him to write better or mm-hmm. he wants to learn. And so they enter in this mentor-mentee mm-hmm. relationship. And one of the rules is what's written in this room stays in this room, right. which is a foreshadowing of the major crisis to come. Yes. So anyway, they're sitting there, the two of them kind of in this darkish room he pulls out these two old typewriters. You know, these were probably typewriters like people had when my grandfather had mm-hmm. a typewriter. You right. Know? No electricity, just pound out no, the keys. And, uh, and so he starts typing away and the kid isn't doing anything. And he goes, start. <laughs> and he's typing away and the kid is just sitting there doing nothing. 
He goes, okay. So he goes to a file cabinet, pulls out one uh, story or piece he had written mm-hmm. years and years ago mm-hmm. for a magazine or something. And he said, okay, start typing this. And when you feel ready, go off on your own. Mm-hmm. So the kid starts typing and Forrester goes and pours himself another scotch and sits in the easy chair. And the kid's typing. And he shouts at him. Pound the keys. Pound, <laughs> pound them. Yes. <laughs> and then he falls asleep. Well, the kid gets going and, uh, you know, I think this is something we can all relate to is that, you know, on demand, think of something, be mm-hmm. creative. And so many people fail uh, in that way, which is why, of course, you know, with IEW, we have such success with kids who've had really, in a way, the worst challenges, the worst difficulties yep. with writing when that's the the approach. Mm-hmm. So this uh, this underscores the power of imitation. Right. And that the master understood this. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the kid liked what he wrote so well, he sneaked in and got it or took it out somehow, turned it in to school and was accused of plagiarism. Mm-hmm. And he was going to lose his scholarship to this, mm-hmm. you know, elite school that he was at. And so Forrester gets out and rides his wobbly bicycle down the road, comes out of his his apartment hiding. Years of being in a wreck. For the first time yeah. in years and shows up to defend this kid in front of his teachers that accused him of plagiarism. So it has a happy ending. It, and I and I like the, the part that cracked me up was when Forrester visits the classroom and they're having a conversation about the book he wrote. And he <laughs> says right. – Basically, this is a bunch of hogwash, and the professor is quite put out that this visitor would come and criticize his critique of the book. Well, <laughs> then it turns out that he's the author yeah. of the book. Which, I think his picture is on the yeah, wall or something. Exactly. Yeah. So that's a good one. Um, I'm not sure it's for for young children, certainly, but it, it's High instructional. Older, yeah. It's instructional for us as mentors of kids in a way. Mm-hmm. And it's just a good story. And, of course, anything with Sean Connery yes. <laughs> um, is almost as good as anything with Christopher Plummer. Right. Another of the uh, not really a school teacher hero movie kind of thing, but a movie that stands out for me because I would actually watch this movie any number of times. Mm. Probably the number the, – the movies I would watch again and again and again and again are very few, maybe five. Oh, wow. But this is one of them. Okay. And that is Aquila and the Bee. Mm, yes, I love that movie too. Oh, boy. Yeah. And it's such a, a great character and moral study mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. well. And I won't go into that because, mm-hmm. you know, you, you want to experience it the first time. And it's uh, Lawrence Fishburne, I believe, mm-hmm. plays yep. the the old Dr. Somebody, Laramie, Dr. Laramie who won the spelling bee when he was 13. And uh, this inner city girl makes it through her school spelling bee kind of reluctantly, and she makes it through the region, and and now she's in the national, this national spelling bee. And he agrees to be her coach. And so the study, the relationship between mm-hmm. them is is beautiful, and it's also got a, a tragic part and then a healing, you know, a catharsis. But what's so interesting to me was the method of study. Yes. And the way uh, all of the kids in the spelling bee kind of would 
study a little differently, mm-hmm. meeting their personality. For her, mm-hmm. it was rhythm. Yep. And he watched her jump rope, and he mm-hmm. said, "You you lock information to rhythm. Mm-hmm. So tap when you spell." And so that observation was so interesting. That kinesthetic mm-hmm. element that mm-hmm. sometimes we, you know, give lip service to, but mm-hmm. it's it's vital in this one. And then, of course, my favorite part is when he teaches her the power of the word roots. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. And he says, if you if you study the roots, you can spell anything. Right. And so he piles up a bunch of dictionaries from different <laughs> languages and said, here, you know, study this. And just the that whole little scene, the way it kind of opens the window on the power of the roots. There's another movie that is not nearly as engaging or dramatic, but it's related. It's pretty old, and it's called Spellbound. Mm. It is a documentary about the 1999 National Spelling Bee Competition. 1999, yeah. Andrew, was not that long ago. I'm sorry. <laughs> it is. Okay. You're right. It's almost 20 years ago. It is 20 years yes. ago. <laughs> it's almost a third of our lifetime. <laughs> I know people who weren't even born in 1999. <laughs> okay, it is true. <laughs> uh, but nevertheless, I don't remember when I saw it, probably the early... 2000, somewhere in there. But it was this documentary on the spelling bee, and it followed the lives of several of the kids who made it to the finals mm-hmm. from the beginning uh, to the to the final round. What I can't figure out is how did they know who was going to make it to the final round? Oh, right. So right. how many kids did they actually, you know, film Right. <laughs> to get five that were in the final and get the one who won. Right. You know, how how could they have projected that? But anyway, in that you also see this wide uh, range of ways in which the kids study. Some of them do, you know, better with visual drill and some of them do better writing words and some of them do better with auditory drill mm-hmm. and some of them and, – and then there's the personalities of the parents and all that. So – the interesting side effect of us going to that movie, and we saw it one of these uh, kind of, what do you call them, alternative theaters that okay, show right. films that aren't going to make it into the big AMCs or like whatever. indie film. Indie, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So it's like an indie theater. And I took a few of the kids. And what when we came home, the least likely of my children <clears throat> said – I want to learn to spell better. Oh, nice. <laughs> so I thought, well, that's a nice, uh, yes. a nice effect. But uh, those two spelling movies uh, were really, I think, fascinating for me. And even uh, a little bit of those have made their way into my talk, uh, Spelling in the Brain. Well, and I have to ask you, Spellbound, that the time that you watched that was about the time that you created the Phonetic Zoo. Was Did one inform the other? No, I mean, no. no. It was probably three or four years after we got the first uh, phonetic zoo going. Okay. So the phonetic zoo predated Spellbound as far as when you developed it. Okay. That's right. Yes. And I saw Akilah and the Bee and Spellbound probably within a two Mm -hmm. to three year Mm -hmm. period. But 
examples from those movies mm -hmm. made it into my talk, mm -hmm. uh, which of course people can watch online at our yep. website. Yep. Uh, Spelling in the brain. Mm -hmm. I think it's very interesting talk. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, actually, I think all my talks are interesting. <laughs> Otherwise, I wouldn't do them. I think a lot of people would agree with you, Andrew. Um, so that that was, and then probably the one of the best scenes of any movie pertaining to teaching writing that I have seen, and there are many I haven't mentioned. There's you know all those teacher hero movies. Mm -hmm. uh, this is not a teacher hero movie. It's actually a fairly uh, depressing. <laughs> movie okay. wherein Brad Pitt dies. Mm. So, spoiler know, alert. Yeah, if you don't want <laughs> to see say that ahead you don't want to see that happen, <laughs> don't watch this movie. But it's a river runs through it. Mm -hmm. It's the biography, it's the autobiography of the American author, literary critic and professor uh, Norman McLean. Mm. So, the scene to watch uh, and and really this this 2 minutes of this movie makes buying the thing totally worthwhile. Okay. You can watch the two minutes and then, you know, just stop because the rest of it, it's like fly fishing, alcoholism. Like I said, people die. It's kind of depressing. <laughs> but in the, uh, in the first kind of opening section, there's a very young Norman McLean, probably 10 years old, I would guess, sitting at his desk writing something. And he brings it into his father, a very taciturn Presbyterian minister who is essentially homeschooling his two sons in the Montana wilderness around the turn of the century, mm. the 1900th century. <laughs> <laughs> so he brings it into his father and his father kind of looks, reads it marks a few things on it, slides it back across the table to his son and says, again, half as long. So the boy takes it and he goes back to his table and he rewrites it again, brings it in, slides it across the desk to his father. His father reads it, makes a few more marks on it, slides it back and says, again, shorter. So he kind of rolls his eyes, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. takes the paper, goes back and writes it again and brings it in, slides it across to his father. His father reads it, puts it down, slides it back across and says, good, now throw it away. Throw so, it away. Throw it away. <laughs> so the boy grabs the paper, crumples it up, throws it in the trash can, grabs his fishing pole, runs out the front door. His mother shouts out the window, Norman, wait for your brother. And then they run off and fly fish, and then the rest of the movie is just not memorable to me at all. Okay. <laughs> uh, but this particular scene, mm -hmm. because what is the father teaching this boy? Brevity. Brevity. But beyond that, you know, okay, yes, the brevity, conciseness, all mm -hmm. that from a from a writing idea, but from a from a growing idea, mm. right? He's saying, essentially, your progress today is sufficient, but you are not finished. Okay. Right? This is not worth keeping. Hmm. This, this in and of itself has no objective value. So okay. throw it away. Wow. And we'll do this again tomorrow. Okay. And the next day, and the next day, and the next day. And eventually he became a literary critic and a professor. 
Yeah, of English. And and, a, and quite quite an author. He yeah. he wrote a lot more than just his autobiography. Right. And uh, so he, you know, he was molding this young boy mm-hmm. in this craft of writing. Mm-hmm. But he understood what many of us, I think, fail to understand, that it's really all about process. Mm-hmm. And I, I sometimes tell that story. Uh, I think I tell it in the uh, However Imperfectly yes. talk that is in the DVD in the back of the book. Mm-hmm. And uh, oftentimes, you know, homeschool moms in particular will kind of cringe mm-hmm. when you when you say throw it away. Like, he rewrote it a third time. That's a borderline miracle in right. the life of a 10-year-old boy. You know, <laughs> right. throw it away. Can't we just put it in a portfolio and prove that we did something today? Mm-hmm. You know, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. I find it – it's a beautiful message to the boy. It's a beautiful message to us. It looks a little painful, but it's conveying this really important truth. Mm-hmm. And that is, like I said, the – the work of the day is sufficient, mm-hmm. but it is not finished. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of true with everything. I mean, isn't it? Yes. We, we get into adult life and we start working or we, you know, we get into a higher academic area or you know, we get into a, a business world. And mm-hmm. it's like, you know, we can, we can say we did what we could do today mm-hmm. knowing that it's going to have to have some yep. – Improvements. We're going to have to try again. And that's a little bit painful sometimes. Yep. (laughs) Well, I'm sorry to say, because I don't think we're quite done yet. I think we have a few more things to talk about. But Mm -hmm. our timekeeper has told us we need to wrap things up today. So let's call this one part one. Okay. And then next week, we we can talk about probably a question that's on a lot of listeners' minds. What does Andrew Poudois think about books versus movies? What do you think? Oh, I could get into trouble with that. (laughs) Well, I look forward to hearing about it. Okay. Thanks so much for joining us for one of our favorite episodes. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, or you can visit us each week at IEW.com slash podcast. New recordings will begin airing in January of 2020. Until then, we hope you'll join us each week as we revisit our greatest hits.